Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a Hi, this is Jackie Cation, and it's another dork forest in my living room. I'm very excited to be back from the Middle East, people. So I'm taping a lot of dork forests. This is episode 43. You know the websites, JackieCation.com. Uh, the dog's banging around over here. <laughs> dog's got the cone of shame. Yep. Uh, so uh, we the JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. Just bought that. There's a donation button. Some uh, You've used it. I like it. I like that about you. Uh, thank you if you have. And if you haven't, not shelves out there's merchandise there's ranger of the dork forest t-shirts and there are some cds and stuff and the credits of course uh patrick brady fixes the audio mike rickberg sang that song with his girlfriend sarah before and after and vilmos does the website that's right uh i think i forgot half of those credits last episode fantastic let's just chop chop along then and introduce sitting in my living room friend of the show has been on before wendy wilkins welcome back to the program hi jackie thanks for having me again oh no problem and it's at wendy loves Chewbacca uh, for your Twitter feed, which uh, has already cracked me up. I'm already enamored. And uh, across from me, new to the program, yes. uh, Mr. Scott Boxenbaum. Well, hello, everyone. How you doing? And you're just at Scott Box. Yep. Scott Box. Keeping it simple. Keeping it. I like it. I like Keeping it. Keeping it simple. It's a, it's a fascinating time to be a dork, don't you think? Yeah. There's a lot of dork options available to you. <laughs> it seems more than most this year than any other year, which is awesome. You know? It's a, we're, we're, we're seizing it. It's, we're, it's a post-rapture, uh, we now own the world. The meek have not inherited. But is there any more comic books left to like make movies of? <laughs> there like, are. Oh, oh yeah. See, I'm oh, not yeah. in that world, so oh. it just, I'm like, There's oh, a lot of go to comic. Okay. Go to Comic-Con and watch all the suits. That <laughs> troll that place like ants at, on a on a on a there, hot dog there at are a picnic. A lot of, there are a lot of there are a lot of movies coming out this year though. And did you guys see Green Hornet? No, is that the one with the fat guy? <laughs> that's Seth Rogen. <laughs> Seth Rogen. That's no, it. with the fat guy. I'll go see Green Lantern. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy casting though. Oh. That was crazy. He he was he played kind of the losery. Uh, Nabishy dude, didn't he? In other movies, pretty much. And in that movie, I hear pretty much the stoner Nabish, the stoner Nabish. Yeah. And then they, he they made Donnie Darko though. That and that was the okay. first thing he got cast in, and he's awesome because he plays a bully. Yes, really? he does. Yeah, yeah I it, now you had to remind me, and he was very very young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that movie was like ninety nine, right? Yeah, he got emancipated. I heard um, when he was like sixteen, but he was acting when he was fifteen. Or he was so. emancipated as a slave. <laughs> or a minor. Yes, uh, minor. He took minor. the Underground Railroad to Hollywood, and it's been a, it's been great ever since. Yeah, I'm having issues with uh, with your sound quality, Wendy Wilkins, for oh. some reason. Uh, I don't know a lot you about just, it. Nobody's really ever said that to me. <laughs> Usually, they say, "Shut oh. up, Wendy, you're too loud." And then I just uh, I, I press the zoom. I press something on the uh, on the device. <laughs> I like how you just press something. It's like it's like my mom. I just press something. I, I don't know. I just press the button. That's exactly what just happened. I am. Why did I need to go Jewish with that for no reason whatsoever? Because I'm secretly Jewish. Oh, aren't we all? Aren't we all? It's. Uh, I have a Jewish mother-in-law. It's awesome. Do you? Is that that's not the word I'd use? I'm going to awesome. make you Is eat that... this mic for a second. Okay. She's... All right. No, I love my Jewish mother-in-law. She's English and... She's British as well? Yeah, there's British, British Jews. Bruce. So. I thought that they had been ejected from the from the Isles back in the day, weren't they? Well, yeah, but they we always have a way of insinuating ourselves back into the landscape. <laughs> Scott Boxenbaum, are you Jewish? 
Fairly so. Okay, yes, Boxenbaum, German Boxenbaum. Jewish. Never know. Never knew uh, Jewish names. Grew up in Wisconsin where there were like nine Jews. And uh, and, and I remember there was... State, too. Upstate. And they were there by accident. They just like ended up there. They're like, what are we doing here? Nobody it's cold. Knows. I don't get it. I'm uncertain who came on purpose uh, to Wisconsin, even though very beautiful. Uh, always, always an issue. Scott, so, are you also German because Boxenbaum's... Boxenbaum is a German name, yeah. It means something fruit. Oh, I still can't get the answer to that question, okay. Boxenbaum. I like the audio better on yours right there. Okay, great. I, I asked my dad one time when I was a little kid, uh, many times I would ask him, like, what does Boxenbaum mean? What does Boxenbaum mean? It's like, and, and finally he just said, it means shut the hell up. <laughs> what I find interesting is that, uh, yeah, I don't think this mic works. I don't really know what to do about that. It's a... Uh, Hello it just welcome. bit the shitter right now. I think it. I think it did. Even though this with the cupping, <laughs> it's like I feel like a prop comic. We have to go to tandem on the mics. Might be an impression. <laughs> an impression of something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's my impression of me turning a key. That's all I've got, really. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm uncertain what's happened, but uh, I find it interesting. So you guys are going to really get to discuss amongst yourselves. Uh, so Wait, can't enough. we share? We, we could share. Come on, and move then, Chester you know what this out is? of the way. It's going to be a challenge for Patrick Brady, who uh, fixes the audio. <laughs> There's always something going on. Uh, I think we've been going about 10 minutes. We haven't talked about anything dorky except for the Jews. The Jews, by <laughs> definition, rise up to their dorkdom, though, don't they? they Pretty own much. Their, they own their own dorkdom. We're, probably, we're kind of like dork survivalists. Like, they keep trying to get rid of us, but we keep coming back and being more dorky than ever. <laughs> and somehow making it cool and, and making it funny and smart and lovely. Yeah. Exactly. You guys have good pub. Let's just talk about that. It's a it's much better pub than the Armenians. Well, it, it's it, this is what's interesting about the Armenians, especially in LA. It, it's if you think about it, it's a pretty small country, not a particularly large country. And, no, but they really get loud. They make themselves heard. They. That's it. That's it. We 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 are uh, very distinct immigrants. You yeah. Know? I mean, like there's there's immigrant there's immigrants that are sort of mellower. There's 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 countries that you don't hear about, like other small countries. Like you don't hear about Azerbaijanis, no, and you don't necessarily hear about your Romanians. But they're there. The Lithuanians are out there. The Lithuanians don't want you to know them. They they're just tr they're trying to keep it on the DL. Just being Lithuanian. Well, I will say this: that uh, my kryptonite is a Jewfro. So um, wait, that's that your college. That's your that's, oh, I well grew up. You're in the a only very, woman. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. I grew up in a very white upstate new york and we did have some jewish guys but like i never really took notice of them and then i go to sleepaway college because oh, i went to community college boner town. so uh, i get to sleepaway college and uh i did nothing but every every step i took i just saw curly haired glass jewish guys short did you go to brandeis or something no i went to a state school in upstate new york called suny newpalt and i married a short jewish guy with curly hair so who refuses to wear glasses so uh but we're oh. gonna get them in them Soon. Uh, him and his crazy 2020 vision. Bastard. No, no, it's actually bad. Oh, it's it's, no, it's bad. He won't get glasses. He's like, you know, an old man. Oh, oh, and he's he's genuinely like, for vanity reasons, will not get... Yeah, yeah. He That's... spends more time in the bathroom than I do. Like, whenever we go out to dinner, it's always like about glasses are 20 minutes. That's, see, here's the thing. 
it's that's wrong because the dork look is totally in now. I mean, yeah. chicks love dudes with glasses. Well, he's not so much a he's a car dork. He uh, restores classic Ford hot rods. Uh, oh, so he's so, like, is he like a rockabilly glasses. dude? No, and he he hates tattoos. He would never get one. He's not rockabilly. He's just a straight black t shirt jeans guy. And oh. so it would kind of cramp his style if he wore glasses. No, so. put a pair of glasses on him. That's a whole nother element. Well, I tried to what get him a hat. Does he like? Oh, you tried to get him a hat. <laughs> well, why am I why am I turning into Mr. Blackwell all of a sudden? I like, I like yeah, it. I did try to get him into hats, but he he won't wear them. He does have an uh, abnormally large head, so a lot of hats don't fit him. <laughs> um, he was classic forts. That's his oh, classic forts. Yeah, oh, okay. very yeah. cool, and they're amazing. And that's beautiful. Yeah. And we're pretty. Uh, we go around to car shows and stuff. But All right. I don't go to too many because then I have to make him come to my comedy shows and you know. That's a terrible trade off. Yeah, it's <laughs> an awful trade off. That's a weird, weird trade off. So you're not much into cars. Are you into cars, Scott? I, I am. I mean, like cars. I do. I mean, I'm not not the way uh, your husband is, but I do have to admit that I have a weakness for especially douchey cars, like like douchey Italian and German sports cars. <laughs> oh, I would the never fancy, be fancy cars. Yeah, yeah, and I would never be seen. I couldn't afford one anyway, but I could never be seen in one. You know, <laughs> even if I could afford it, I would probably get like a like an old man Lexus sedan, like like a Jewy <laughs> old guy Lexus sedan. But I would be thinking about it. You know. Um, yeah, I gotta say, I like well, if no one's around, I'm very self conscious about. It. I will pull out Car and Driver and and check it out. <laughs> I love it. And I'm like it. the guy who reads the New Yorker, you know. Right. But I only read the New Yorker when people are around, so people will be impressed by my <laughs> by my literacy. Well, um, I'm I've always been a Jeep girl since I was five. I remember seeing my first Jeep and going, "Dad, I want that car." And I own a Jeep, and my favorite car is a Grand Wagoneer from the 80s with the wood paneling. So I'm hoping to get one when we have a house. To Todd Glass to. has one of those. Oh. Does he? Yeah, I think Todd Glass is like a mid-80s one. Oh, that's exactly the kind of car I want. <laughs> I, yeah. A, a mid-80s Jeep Wagoneer? With yeah. the wood paneling, yeah. From remember the 80s? those ginormous? Yeah. Am, I, am I wrong on this? Are you no. close with no, tight with Todd? I no. saw. I, I think I've seen him drive one of those. Like we're talking before they went to the little square ones. This has got to be an eighty three, eighty four model pre, way pre airbags. Okay, you know, got the fake ass wood paneling. It's a super cool car. It really is. high maintenance though. Yeah, and that's why I'm waiting until, and then we can have my husband convert it over to either electric or hybrid kind of thing. But does he do that? He doesn't, yeah, but he can. I mean, the guy, anything he wants to learn, he just reads in a book. What is his day job, I wonder? And, well, um, and you know what? They're not called day jobs when they're not comics, by the way. They're just called jobs. Yeah, they're called lives. They're called lives. Yeah. Well, sadly, after uh, he worked for uh, a company called Jonathan Goodson Productions, who's Mark Goodson's son, and who did all the game shows. Sure. And they just shut down the office. So after working there 10 years, he is now packing up the office and and so his last day is going to be next week he was uh he was like a general office guy friday in the office you know, like oh, okay. he took care of any kind of thing that came up and uh he was a go-to guy they only had like five people so he was like the goodson you know. todman i remember they did yeah. a lot of big game shows and yeah i used to be a fake it person at a closed captioning company here in los angeles that was my last day job i was the fake everything i was like yes i know how to build a network of computers no <laughs> i love it I love it. So time to call Andrew Solmson. <laughs> so. so you basically had the tech equivalent of a ghostwriter. <laughs> you got the credit for it. Andrew Solmson was the guy who did everything. And I would call him up and I'd be like, hey, quick question. 
that takes two hours. Exactly. And, and be he like, charges everybody else $125 an hour for And he's like, I have to bill the CCS. Can I please bill the closed captioning company? And I was like, yes, of course. Of course you can. And then he would. And I think he would cut us a little slack. But he was. He, it, sometimes it was a genuinely quick question. Because I'm not an idiot. I, I know something. He's been... <laughs> More helpful to more comedians that are oh, having yeah. problems. He's, He's helped been, me quite he a bit. He throws too. out a lot of freebies. Oh, yeah. yeah, Andrew gets a, a nice big tip guy. of the hat. Yeah, yeah we got to have him back on the show because he's the technological wizard bear, and uh, like he he does this thing every they do a Secret Santa thing at open mic, right? Where everybody yeah. brings something. He always brings like a laptop. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, that's right. He brings like a like a four year old laptop. You yeah. know that like yeah. yeah. That's like every comedian would be perfect for. He's great. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I, for that Secret Santa, I would always bring, because my husband, they would get the screeners for all the Emmys. Oh. So I would bring any of the worst kind of screeners for Emmys. And Andrew, one year, I wasn't there, but I, he got riding with my sister on the bus, which is that Rosie O'Donnell where she pre- played a mentally challenged sister. Oh, we're going to get a copy of this. <laughs> oh Andrew Salson has Whoa, that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, is that streaming on Netflix? I need to see it's that. It's got to be. I'm sure it's on it's Lifetime. So- somewhere oh my god <laughs> riding on the what with the bus riding on the bus with my sister i believe is what oh, it's called but if you go into imdb oh, and Rosie O'Donnell, i'm sure it's definitely a- gonna be there jeff conway died from greece today you walked in telling me that and you thought it was something else wow he was 60 yeah that's young wasn't he on uh, that intervention show? Or Celebrity something? rehab, yeah. I watch all of that. Was those. he? He was. What was his deal? He prescription drug abuser. Oh, a yeah. A genuine yeah. mess. Well, well, have you seen Jan Michael Vincent lately? Yeah. He's like a homeless man now. Yeah. What? What? What did he, what's his? Well, he's, what's, I mean, he's been out of his gourd since the 70s, so. Right, didn't he play like a Tarzani kind of thing in a, he, in a he, Disney movie? Yeah, well, he was, he was a. He was a major kind of good-looking young male lead. He was right. in a great movie with Charles Bronson called The Mechanic, which was unfortunately remade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, he, I, he, for me, it was, he was in, um, was it, it wasn't Stuntman, it was Hooper, I Big believe. Big Wednesday, I think he was Burt in. Burt Reynolds. Um, oh, yeah. And, um, and he was in, in the 80s on Airwolf. He was the lead yeah. in Airwolf. And Brian Cranston, I worked on Malcolm in the Middle, and Brian Cranston would tell the best stories about working on Airwolf with him because he did like, you know, he had like a six episode arc when, and he said basically he wore his glasses because he was just stoned and just passed out and drunk all the yeah. time. And they would just hit him and his car, his lines were on cue cards and they'd be in the helicopter and, he told Brian, just nudge me when the director says, all right, let's go. We're going. And he would nudge him. And then Jan would just pop up, say his lines, and then go right back to sleep. He was like, like a zombie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah and he got into this. He was just a, 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 an amazingly good looking guy. Right. And then he got into a couple of car accidents and mm-hmm. he had a stroke. And I mean, he just, it's one of the most horrifying things you could ever see. He can barely talk yeah. now. Yeah. He, he's got to be the same age as Jeff Conway. Right? Yeah, he's, he he's probably put right around the 60s, but he's just an absolute mess. Well, if you're a fan of celebrity rehab, you hear that from Jeff Conway is that when he was a kid, his family, some family members, he had like a really 
poor upbringing and they actually put him in porn when he was a kid and so it never got revealed till he got older but like he actually was like when he was like 12 or 13 so it just kind of shaped his life for the rest you know that's the reason why he did drugs wow uh it might not be the reason why drugs took but uh that's a reason to do some drugs holy smokes who puts their kid in porn People who are also drug addicts themselves, you know, who also have issues, you know, who need money. Scott Boxenbaum, you grew up here among the the devil children, but you seem perfectly fine. I'm okay. You know, I I had my own things growing up, but I grew up around a lot of movie stars' kids. Right. And and it was weird because you would – I grew up in an area, Brentwood, a little shishi area. and uh, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson. Oh, there's another story I got for that, but I'll get to that in a (laughs) second. Do you have like Lesson Zero stories? Yeah. In fact, (laughs) Lesson Zero had characters of – it was based on characters that I knew. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm not kidding. Resonate? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was kind of weird. Um, you would go. There's this place on 26 in San Vicente in Brentwood called the Country Mart. I think mm-hmm. it's still around. And you'd go and get your little barbecue chicken with all the other I little love rich that place. kids. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been around. It's been around since like the 30s. Yeah. And barbecue chicken at, at a country mart yeah it's amazing yeah, it was it a place called ready store? chick Re- yeah, yeah it was like there. it was like rotisserie chicken and cash was, only by the way cash only and it, <laughs> we found out chicken door. <laughs> there were people who had charge accounts there and we would always find out who had the charge accounts and in the 80s we would always charge our chicken to them we oh. were little assholes yeah oh, we we're terrible yeah. terrible people but i've seen tom hanks there i've seen yeah and they come in with like their kids tons, tons of actors yeah it's yeah. yeah you'll walk in and you'll see and it's always like there were all these like character actors there. Their kids come in, you know, like Hal Linden used to come in with his kids, like all the guys from Barney Miller and Hill Street Blues, because that's a that's my generation of TV yeah, yeah. growing up. Yeah. And you just kind of be around these kids. Like I had I carpooled with Randy Newman's kid, uh, <laughs> Peter Bogdanovic, who was a f- crazy. Yeah, uh, carpool with his kids, and it was weird because I. You don't know any different when you grow up around that, you know? Right. You think everything's sane because that's how you're growing. Like, I I never assumed that uh, selling things for more than cost was wrong. Because <laughs> that's how I was raised. When you right. were raised around crazy famous people's children, and you were just like, oh, well, of course I'm hanging out with Peter Bogdanovich or whatever, you know? That's crazy. Well, the, the, there was a guy who was a good friend of mine who was father was one of the creators of charlie's angel and he wrote woman of a thousand faces which you know and this is he had kids when he was like 70 years old like when he died he was like 87 years old and that's what would happen in hollywood is these guys wait forever and ever to have kids it was not an unusual story too it was crazy it was like uh, the odd couple uh oscar but not oscar the other one. Oh, tony randall, randall yeah, yeah. Tony Randall waited. He had. He's like had, seventy or something. Yeah, I, I think it feels rude because uh, then you can't play catch with your kid. Yeah, yeah, can't play catch. Your kid's got to take you out of the car, like in your wheelchair. And I, I was always told children should be seen and not heard, which was oh, it's a great way to grow up. Oh. It's a great way to just just stuff your feelings always. That was a that was a catchy saying back in the days. So yes, in, in like the seventies, right? Is that when you were yeah, raised? Big time, yeah, big Yeah, I was yeah. raised. My in mom 70s. was my mom was always like, "Do as I say, not as I do." That was her favorite thing to say, and I was like, "Oh." Yeah, no, I don't think so. Well, the one thing I did do on that was not smoke, thank God. But my brother didn't. <laughs> but it's like it's like you're admitting. Well, 
I'm an idiot. Yeah. What I'd yeah. prefer is if you weren't one. Right. <laughs> You're ba- blatantly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't approve. <laughs> right. It's like when you tell somebody, don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. What are you going to do? You know? I mean, and it was funny because I found out later on, you know, my dad, well, I had a pretty liberal family, but my dad was pretty strict with me. And I found out later on that my dad was like a huge stoner and everything like that. I found bongs and stuff. And he had a first time I ever smoked pot. I'm like, what is this Budweiser can doing on the bookshelf? Oh, it unscrews and what's inside? I found my mother's papers. I, I, I was such a Virgo that even at 12, I was cleaning out the kitchen because nobody else would do that. And I went to the very top shelf in one of the like dishes that you only bring out on Thanksgiving. And there was these like rolling papers. I had no idea what they were. And so I put them back. And then, like, a month later, my brother found him, who was a lot like my mom. And was, and so my mom, like, confronted me. She's like, I only do it when those assholes at work get bad. You know, like, oh and I'm, I was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Because <laughs> I'm a huge square. We used, to look through, we used to look through my dad's drawers, and we would find, like, his rubbers and make balloon, water balloons out of them. We found a cock ring once. <laughs> my dad's what cock ring. What did your dad do? Was your dad in porn or something? I don't know. But it was the 70s. People got into yeah, kinky shit true. back in the day i uh, accidentally i came home from college one time and my brother phil and i were talking oh that's right our, our my my sister and i's room had been turned into like a guest room or something like that and um that's where we would all hide out and have the real conversation they'd be like i need to talk to you and then right when the truth this. comes out right, like, right. that's the truth like, room <laughs> uh, the parents are out of their minds and uh then we'd all go back like it'd be like a commiserating kind of okay and then let's go eat some turkey and so um my brother phil no one else was in the house, I guess, because there's no other reason why. I'm If I'm 19, that means he's 26, and I'm his youngest sister. So there's no, and our family is super like nobody wants to talk about sex. I hope it all works out for you. That's our slogan. And um, he calls me into the bedroom, and no one else. He's like, "Have you? Whose is this? Because it used to be my room." He's like. Is this whose is this stuff? And it was a box of like it was like a kit, you know, like 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 a gift box of different like feather attachments to vibrator. I mean, it was ridiculous. like a first aid kit of orgasms. Yeah. Right, right. It was an, it was a kit of orgasms, and I'm yeah. like, put it back, put it back. I have no idea whose it is, but make it go away. Yeah, that's always it, a yeah. creepy moment when the all of a sudden, lost Ark, yeah, like, horrible things that come out of it. <laughs> I was lucky. I had a dad who sat me down when I got my period and was just like, now you can get pregnant. Because <laughs> I think mainly he was like, well, she's my daughter. She's going to kind of be fooling around. And, you know, oh, it, really? he was smart. He was smart to say that. But it kept me from actually losing my virginity till I got out of high uh. school. Because he's like, well, when you fall in love, like when you're 17 and you want to come to me, we'll get you on the pill. And so I never wanted to have that conversation with him. So uh. I waited till I got out. And then, yeah. you know. Uh, my, my dad was so sexually, awesome. was so inappropriately open with me about everything. Like. <laughs> It was so, it was, I have a joke that I do because my dad was two things. He was a depression baby. So we, I was, you know, I, I grew up kind of a rich kid, but I had to do yard work and do the dishes and like right. I didn't turn out to the be the right complete, kind of rich kid. Yeah. Like I didn't oh, yeah. be, I'm not a complete asshole. <laughs> and so, but then my dad was trying to be a Dr. Spock era dad and be really open about sex, way too open without boundaries, you know. And uh, one day he comes over, I'm 12 years old. I'm not kidding. He goes, you know, Puts his arm around and goes, kid, it's okay to masturbate. It's okay to masturbate. <laughs> wow. But first you got to take out the trash. 
<laughs> wow. I have to tell you, my father has never, my father still hasn't acknowledged that I have my period. Uh, and uh, there's no chitter chat. I mean, my father will tell me, like, the grossest thing my dad will tell me is that he's dating someone who's 29. Oh, though he did just tell me that. Is he really? Wow. How old is he? 74. <laughs> And, uh, go, Mr. Uh, Cation. Yeah. Uh, we're happy for him. I don't need to hear about it. But he, here's the creepiest thing, though, is he just called, I just talked to him, and he was like, hey, um, he's living in this apartment now. My parents were divorced and lived together for many years, but now they each have their own apartment. It's quite mature of them. Anyway. Jesus, uh, they're living together? When they were divorced for a long time. Oh. But they're now, my dad, uh, he said, the neighborhood's going to shit. Here's what happened. Uh, he didn't say shit because he, he rarely swears. But anyways, I curse like a stevedore, but comparatively. And uh, he's like, I was out, I was out, uh, I was out in front of the apartment building, and there was a guy panhandling, and I said, "Hey, this is my side of the street." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "You didn't." And this he goes, "My like you was my dependent like he's a pimp yeah, like." <laughs> Exactly. You'll get off my block. <laughs> That's it, exactly. And the guy goes, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he goes, and he stands on the other side of the street. And the next day, he's back, and my dad goes, so I go back, and the guy sees me, he's like, no, no, I just, I'm so sorry, I just, this is a better side of the street right now, I just need enough money to get, go to McDonald's. Oh, and my dad's like, what do you need at McDonald's? He said, strawberry lemonade. And uh, I was like, <laughs> dad, tell me that you McDonald's? bought him a strawberry lemonade. And he's like... No, I told him to get off my side of the street. And I was like, oh, you're such a piece of work. Oh, Have you had a conversation? Weird rules. He's got his weird rules he's got to live by. Yeah. Have you ahead. had a conversation with a 29-year-old wondering what her daddy issues are? Uh, no. Uh, I don't meet these people. Uh, I just... Uh, and the thing is, is he only dates them, and then he's done dating them. I mean, yeah, I, it doesn't yeah. sound like he's really... Yeah. No, no, he's not ready for a committed relationship at this time. He's uh, He's been married three times. He's done. And, uh, and when he got married the second time, he said, you know, I'm not really going to invite people. I, we're just going to do it. And I told my sister that. My sister goes, I don't go to anyone's second wedding. I'm done. <laughs> At one wedding. That's it. That's all you get. You get one blender. We're, we're chop chop. We're done. Oh, if you, if, if, I, I have a friend who is, I'm in my early 40s. I have a friend who's my age. He's been married four times. Oh, he's on his fourth God. wedding. This guy is like, yeah, he's like a serial marrier, right? <laughs> yeah, he got married his first time when he was 18, then 22, then 30, you know. So you're saying he doesn't make good choices is basically no, what you're saying. No, no. Or they don't. His, yeah, I, he should start with changing his personality. But <laughs> the guy's on his fourth wedding and he, and he, he, he like, I'm going to go. Right. And he's like, uh, sends me an email, email invitations because the guy's got class. <laughs> <laughs> He goes, and this is where I'm registered. Are you registered? I fucking if you, I wouldn't buy you something if you were registered at fucking Spencer's gifts. <laughs> like if you are asking for presents on your fourth wedding, you're running a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is he marrying like younger and younger women? Like their it's their first marriages. Yeah, he's he always yeah he, he married a 22 year old girl and. My father always said something that stuck with me. And the, is he'd see these guys marry people four or five times. And he's like, yeah, they're just marrying their mother and. I didn't think that was true, but I do notice with guys who marry several times that the women have very similar personality facets. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe there's something to that. I mean, my dad's 81. He's been around for a while. So I, I, I've <coughs> being, I work in pro television production. And so I tend to get these production assistants who you, it's clear that their mothers, and especially with the guys, it's clear that the mothers have done everything for them. So, 
they grow up to be these adult man boys that really can't have no initiative and can't think for themselves. So I think that Wait, plays stop talking about me. Stop talking about <laughs> I think that plays into the whole like why these men end up marrying women who tend to be over and believe you me, this is coming from a woman who's very overbearing and strong. But my <laughs> husband and I and I constantly fight trying to be a mom to my husband. And he also will like let me know when I'm being that way. But I don't want to be a mom. But that's not to say I'm not sitting there being a friend, you know, and trying to be as best I can to be friends. And I have been accused by some friends, not many, but some that I'm like mothering them. And I'm like, I'm not really, I'm just like, that's just my personality. Maybe it's from being from upstate New York. I don't know, but I'm there because I want to help out, you know? Yeah. But I definitely see that I have to keep it intact when I'm, you know, with my husband, because I don't want to be that person. Yeah, my dad keeps marrying people, and every single part of woman that he's married, uh, he's like, she's an alcoholic. And I'm like, at some point, that's your fault. Yeah. I think you're, you're making, you're driving women to drink, dad. What do you, what, what's going on? Or picking women knowing that they're alcoholics. So it's like, there's some kind of comfort in him knowing that making that bad choice is gonna, he knows what to expect. And so when you marry someone who's the same kind of personality, you know right. what to expect. Sure. And then it just kind of wears itself thin and it goes away. So at yeah. least that's my theory on it. Yeah. I like it. I like the word family dorking out instead of anything else. Family it's a, dorking out. Family dorking out. Uh, two two episodes ago, it was Mike Schmidt, and it was uh, he's a rage dork, and we talked about rage. Oh, he's an angry man. He's an angry man, but he's uh, he's working on it. He's working on it. He's working his way through it. It's all it's all very beautiful. What? I can. It's very tiring to be angry. I want to tie two things together: prescription drugs and uh, <laughs> and Hollywood kids. Um, I just read this article. Two of my favorite things to, to, to ingest. I read yeah. I read this article from. About that, um, that Rob Lowe wrote about that was in Vanity Fair about auditioning for The Outsiders and like all the slew of Hollywood kids from the early 80s. Um, and those are all the Malibu, not the Brentwood, but the Malibu kids, actor kids. And yeah, I knew and, a lot of the, those kids. Yeah. yeah. And one of them was Chris Penn, who oh. was one of his best friends and who apparently used to make Vietnam movies <clears throat> in his backyard, yeah. which I love. And honestly, he was one of those people when I came to L.A., I was like, I got to meet Chris Penn. And I never got to it never got to meet him and then he died he overdosed on prescription drugs um in santa monica and it just like broke my heart because i was truly like he's an amazing actor but you could tell he was very haunted and it was like i didn't want to like i just wanted to meet the actor but it's kind of a fine line meeting the person and the actor Right, right. Uh, I I met this woman who wrote fan fiction about uh, Russell Crowe characters. Oh, the characters awesome. of Ru- Russell Crowe. But she found it weird that people write fan fiction about Russell Crowe. She's like, oh. you can't write fan fiction about the dude, right. but you can write fan fiction about like Master Commander guy, and uh, you know, I mean, essentially source material. Right. So many people like ju- they. They think the people are those characters. So many people. And it's like, and here in LA, I mean, if you work in the business, you know, these people aren't those characters, you know? And then a lot of times you meet these character actors and they don't know how to be unless they're playing a character. They really like their personalities are just kind of like bland. And then they get a character they play and then they're that character and then they're the whatever they are. It's yeah. And it's awesome. But like in between sometimes, no. And then a lot of times, a lot of them are great. They're just so awesome. I'm a little that way with stand up. Like I really am a very kind of normal conversational person. I don't feel like I'm on that much. And I I actually tend towards being a bit serious. And I feel like 
I'm a different person on stage. I'm more energetic and stuff like that. I don't know. Do you feel like that, Jackie? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, stand up, it creates that sort of situation where people are like, you're always funny. And you're like, hmm, I'm funny, but I'm not always funny. And yeah. I'm not always, uh, I, you know, most of the time, I want to sit on my ass and read a book. Yeah. So I'm absolutely. not necessarily uh, on all the time, though. With the, you know, with riffing, you know, if if you're with somebody who wants to ch chat and stuff, and it, it can get that way, but, but, but yeah, I'm I, not the guy who initiates the riffing. It's always got to be somebody else who's got to throw the ball to me, and then I can I'll take it. Right. Know? I'm not very good with silence, so I will often initiate the riffing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what do you guys want to talk about? And so, which is why podcasting a gift. Because then I could chat my fool head off. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it could be it could be riffing, but it could just be also informative. I uh, I tend to get in my head too much when I get on stage. That's why I think I'm a good stand up writer, but I'm not a great performer. And I keep working at it. I really want to like be good at it, but I I get my in my way a lot. But give me a crowd of people that don't know me, like I'm in the middle, that aren't comics, that aren't anywhere, and I am like on fire, like at parties of like people I don't know, or I'm out of town and I meet people. I am like the best, and I can, I have never been able to be able to translate that from the party scene, what I'd like to call living room funny, to the <laughs> stage. And so that's always been my problem as far as stand up goes. If you did more road, you would, that, that would shake itself loose because then you're always in a room full of strangers. Like if yeah. you're doing some creepy triple run where, uh, you're at a sports bar with a train that goes around the top of it, uh, <laughs> you gotta fight that train. You gotta fight the, uh, you know, the fact that they've, they've muted the televisions. But, uh, yeah, I think I mean, it, it, that would, I, I think that that would make you uh, sort of blossom more and, in, 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 in sort of control the room when you're on stage, not just when you're with friends in a living room kind of stage. Right. Yeah. And then I I'm, but then I'm always worried about, which I know I'm not that comic, but to be like the one that makes the other comics laugh. And I've had my moments where I've made other comics laugh. And that's always been my insecurity is that I want to also be that comic that when you're in a room in L.A., you can make them laugh. That's a trap, though. That's a it is trap. a trap. And that also gets in my head. But yeah. I think a lot of other comics get that problem, too. They get stuck yeah. in their head. And definitely it's me with my yeah, head. At you, least I know you that get, I'm, you know, I'm not good, here's not my, as great as I could be. Here's my two cents on that. You get to a point where, and I'm, I'm like a, well, almost a six-year comic, which isn't very long. But you get to a point where you shouldn't do very many open mics for that reason. Because otherwise you get stuck trying to impress a bunch of people that have nothing to do with who you're really trying to make laugh. Yeah, you see the comics that make other comics laugh, but then they get into a room with other with regular people and it kind of tanks and I've seen them audition for shows because people love them and then all of a sudden they get into a room that's not full of comics and all of a, and it doesn't work as well and I feel so bad for those people because I know they're generally funny and but for the most part the ones that make the comics laugh do make well, everybody else the, laugh. Andy Kindler's the only one who's been able to turn that into a career yeah. so it's working out. Do you have Jackie do you have material that you do on on certain road rooms that you will never do, like in really smarty pants like rooms, or in New York or L.A. Like Louis C.K. was talking about that. He's, he's, he apparently has. He's got road. Yeah, road he's got material. road material. Like it's just a matter of survival. I always, well, I always feel like uh, that nobody wants to hear the jokes that uh, are super like worked out in L.A. Yeah, because they see so much stand up, they're like, mm, "That smells like you've done it about a billion times." Yeah, yeah. that's why it works every time because mm -hmm. it's a beautiful piece of a. Uh, a fruit that yeah. I just picked because it's fucking ripe. Anyway, but yeah. yeah, there's not, 
like I just got back from the Middle East and uh, I did all these uh, military shows and there's stuff you can't do. There's just, of course. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's, uh, but I was traveling with two women who were like, mm, no, there isn't. And, uh, and they did, they did whatever they wanted and the audience loved it. Yeah. They loved it because they did a bunch of sort of inappropriate stuff mm-hmm. that you wouldn't do with, with, you know, because the, there's a lot of signs up on, on bases. They're trying to stop soldiers from raping each other. Yeah. And so they're trying. That would be nice. It would, yeah. yeah, it's ideal. But uh, so so those jokes are not encouraged or appreciated. You because know, they're, they're worried incite, about it. Because they, they think they'll incite stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Because they can't make those jokes at each other. It It's such a dumb mentality because actually it brings what people what's on people's minds out in the open yeah the and, more you and, talk about any one subject the less likely people are gonna go it's when you're secretive about that shit is constant when things happen i mean yeah but i do think that it's like because what because those two yeah. uh the two comics that because we were all we were all slightly dirtier than usual because right. we, we had slipped our leash and the guy who was supposed to be telling us not to do stuff got hurt and got sent home we were all dirtier than we were supposed to be right so you guys want to talk about? Uh, you both enjoy some music from the eighties. Yes, indeed. That's a something. Um, and uh, I don't know anything about it, so you could definitely <laughs> tell me about Go it. Go ahead, Wendy. <laughs> uh, well, I'm a huge Tears for Fears fan. Wow. Uh, to High the school. point where I know oh, a song called "The Sea Song," and anytime I see them live, I hold up a sign that says "Play the Sea Song." They never do. <laughs> it's like one of those. Like when I first moved to LA, they had tons of record shops on Melrose, and I constantly was buying vinyl. And they had these like weird kind of, you know, I don't even remember what they're called. The 14, whatever those release that had three songs on it or whatever. Thank you. And, uh, they they constantly had all these weird songs that no one ever heard of that they were making before they, um, they came out with the, their first album. And, uh, and actually their first album, they were called The Graduate. And they dress sort of like the Beatles in this weird kind of outfit, and it's and they had these weird kind of bowl cut haircuts, and then they changed the name for Tears for Fears because I guess people left the band. And look what happened. Yes, and um, <laughs> love them. And then the but the only time I got to see them because they did not play upstate New York. You know who played upstate New York? Rat. Uh, a lot of, well, of course you know, they played Twisted upstate New York. Why wouldn't they rat play upstate <laughs> Journey, New York? Journey, Go Go's, that kind of stuff. Not I saw April Wine and uh, and Ario Speedwagon. That was my first concert. Really? Oh, well, mine was Hall and Oates. Where was it? It was a stadium. It was. Oh yeah, it was the World Series of Rock, my friend. The World <laughs> yes! Series of Rock at yes! County Stadium in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh yes. Turn it up, man. Oh yes. It Mine goes was Holland Oates, the H two O tour. Oh, great, nice. awesome, <laughs> awesome. How about you, Scott? Uh, Kiss. Here oh, in LA. Yeah, Kiss at the Coliseum. Uh, I had to get chaperoned by my friend's mother. Yep. Was, were you in the army? Oh yeah, Man, devoutly, devout. You were an army. You had enlisted in the Kiss Army. Oh yeah, big. About first day they were recruiting, I showed up. Man, <laughs> oh yeah, the stickers and the T-shirts. Oh yeah, proud I did, member. I want to hear about the music in the '80s here in LA because this was the scene. So, well, I can give you my own take on it, which I was very fortunate. I grew up in the early '80s, and I was on the punk side of it. So I went to see Black Flag and the Minutemen and uh, all kinds of bands. You X, I saw a lot and De- uh, Dead Milkmen. The Dead Milkmen were a Philadelphia band, but they came out. Um, Wait, did all was Black Flag from here? 
Black Flag was from the South Bay, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so California bands. Yes. It's uh, everything I know about punk music, by the way, the movie Repo Man. <laughs> well, I loved Repo Man. I loved Repo Man. Yeah. Um, he, he, well, that the Circle Jerks were in that movie yep. doing an acoustic set. I used to see. I wasn't a huge fan of them, but I was a I was a big fan of. I was a fan of hardcore punk, and then it got very physical and violent. And a lot of these jocks showed up, and I'm a small man. I don't need to be hurt. <laughs> I got punched. I, and I was a preppy kid. I used to go to punk rock shows, like, a, like wearing preppy clothes and stuff. Little eyes out action. Oh yeah. Collar turned up. Pink shirt. Oh, oh, yeah. So jealous of the kids that wear the eyes out. So jealous. Shit that's like hipsters are wearing now. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, they have a store in the Beverly Center, eyes out store. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I keep going by going, I should buy it just to reclaim my 80s hood because i was not also about that so the drinking age was 18 mm-hmm. and yeah. everywhere nationwide and up until 84 i think mm-hmm. and no one really ever carded you i mean it was rare uh now you get carded if you're 80 years old right because 18 uh you might as well be 14 i mean for yeah. 18 year olds look like 14 year olds to everyone over 30 yeah it's like it, uh, you could be 18 and it'd be fine so yeah i mean it's weird, you know, you could go in and buy a pack of cigarettes when you were 15 and nobody bothered you, you know. I used to go to the Hard Rock Cafe and where the Beverly Center is, which has been around forever. Nobody ever carded me. It was it was very naive. And more kids got killed from drunk driving way more back then they do right. now. Did right. you got the carding people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And did there's airbags and, you know. Did you go to the arcade in the Beverly Center? Because my husband used to dr- ride his bikes. He grew up on Fairfax and Melrose. Ride his bike to the Beverly Center and play all day long in that arcade. I went to Westworld, which was in Westwood. Oh, that was I the arcade. Yeah. yeah, Westwood used to be a fun place. Now it, it there, a tumbleweed could blow through there. Well, no, there's just nothing there. Yeah, it's just really? disappearing. Yeah, movie theaters are closing up left and right. Well, I haven't been there since the Gypsy closed, which was a very nice little uh, open micy book show that was what six years ago. When I first moved to LA, there was a comedy store Westwood, and it was in a cellar yeah. basement thing, and it was oh, wow. awesome. It was they would do an open mic there. I would Westwood. do that one. Yeah. yeah. But that closed pretty soon after I got here. Were you, were you here? Were you around when the improv was in Santa Monica? Oh, I was. No, I yeah. got here in 97, 98. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It closed. It must have closed right before then because I yeah, remember it. Yeah. Closed in late 90s. I remember doing the open mic there too. That was yeah. crazy. Wow. That was the relic of the comedy boom. I mean, it was kind of weird. There are way more comedy clubs than there are now. Yeah. You know? I think Hooters is where that used to be. Yep. Yeah. Exactly where it is. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Right on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Arizona, Arizona, Zone, Arizona, right near the Third Street Promenade. But but yeah, I was a I was a little punk kid growing up, and I was a college radio DJ, and and I oh, worked. Really? Mm-hmm. Where'd yeah. you go to school? See? Brandeis University, Waltham, <laughs> Massachusetts. Um, yeah, absolutely. Eighty uh, percent Jewish. Uh, I we used to do punk shows, and there were kids in yarmulkes who were protesting outside because we. We're doing it on a Friday night, and that was the uh, Sabbath. Yeah. Oh, and it wasn't religious school at all. And then there were like the six black kids all became Muslims because they felt so marginalized. <laughs> <laughs> I like the whole, uh, my sister converted to Judaism about a year ago. Orthodox? Uh, no, because she's gay, uh, so reform. Uh, but her, her partners, they have kids, and right. they want to raise a kid Jewish. And so, I mean, yeah. not that she doesn't believe. But anyway, but they had they do it's Shabbat's a big deal. It's a nice evening, actually. Yeah, it's a very nice evening, and it's um. But she 
said that she was at, there was an Orthodox guy at the hospital. She was at the hospital mm-hmm. when one of the kids had a fever or something. And an Orthodox guy showed up on Friday and he's like, I need someone to open that door for me because I got to walk up Shabbosquoy. to the fifth floor. Shabbosquoy, it's, it's called. Shabbosquoy? Yeah. Yeah. And it's fine, except for that I think it's more work to walk up five flights of stairs than it is to take an elevator. He's stupid. Uh, because in the Orthodox very... law, if you are like tired, really tired, or you have somebody who's injured, you can go take an elevator. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that guy must have been a, like a total true believer. That, right, like, right. Yeah. He had the uh, spirit of the law, not the yeah, letter. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. My, uh, my husband's family, I like to call, uh, well, they call themselves holiday Jews where they have lots of meals on the holidays, but they don't necessarily <coughs> do much else, you know? So, but you know, that, that, that's fine. I love the food. So I got no problem with it. Yeah. Those who are converted are very serious. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, that's why they say beware the converted. Yeah. Right. Right. It's people who quit smoking. People, you know, it's everybody yeah. going. And my sister, she's not. She's very, very, she's pretty mellow, but. They're more religious than any of the people I know that were born, you know. Well, that, it's all new to them, and then it's they're getting into the and, whole thing. And her partner wants to be a rabbi, so oh. uh, so I mean, it's like a it, lesbian reform rabbi. Yeah, okay. yeah. They don't care that Darla's that they're gay. They care that Darla's not Jewish. So, uh-huh. so Darla converted, and then so they do Shabbat and they do all the things, and it's all very nice, and it's very. I mean, I love the community of it. It's so yeah. beautiful. It's very beautiful. It's a very. I will say this is it's very loving and everything. And, and it is the idea that you take a night off and just turn off the electricity and don't drive a car and don't watch TV and you're just around each other, which is so completely rare in our society is kind of nice. You know, I mean, you could take parts of that and make it work because who the hell eats with each other anymore without the TV on? Yeah. Right. It's just nice. Yeah. It's just a good idea. I think it's like, it's like my favorite parts of Mormonism, you know, where they're they're really community oriented yeah. and they want to help each other and they're very very supportive of whatever's going on. It's you know it's all all fringe stuff is the stuff that makes me that makes me crazy. You know, going to Saudi Arabia, you just you spend so much time worried about. Well, are you going to see my ear and freak out? Oh, did you I, have to wear the covering and everything? Yeah, I had to wear a headscarf and an abaya, uh, uh-huh. like a dress thing. And, um, and it was fine. I mean, you're, I'm in someone else's house. I'll do whatever you want. And, um, I'm not going to move here, uh, cause I want to keep my driver's license, but it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I well, just, the- I don't like the extremes of it. Cause there's a guy selling like, like, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants balloons at the stop sign, but they don't have any movie theaters in all of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a whole underground culture where it's going on. I mean, they put that woman in jail because she drove. Yeah. Yes. In protest, she drove. Yeah. Yeah. She she drives in protest and then they put her in jail. And there's, you know, and people were like, well, it's going to be fine if you don't, you know, start a march or you don't, you know, you don't. I'm like, no, we're not here to convert anybody. We're just driving to the crazy U.S. base and telling our dick jokes and then leaving. Yeah. I just wish that kind of stuff, the community kind of stuff and the, you know, getting together with your family and that kind of stuff. I wish that happened more without religion, because I think not that I don't have anything against it. It's not for me. But that kind of stuff is how we survived as human beings. And people just tend to forget it because there's so much 
else out there taking care of things for you. Like the fact I'm always preparing for the revolution or uh, an <laughs> really? earthquake or whatever. Sweet. So I'm constantly like, how can we make ourselves more self-sustainable at our house? And it's hard living in an apartment. Um, but I'm like, once we get a house, we're going to get off the electric grid. Hopefully all the water is going to be gray that we need for like our toilets and watering the lawn and stuff like that. So I'm like constantly thinking and researching that kind of stuff. But but that's as a community, because if the revolution comes, I want to be able to feed my family and maybe five other people, five other families that get caught up but are willing to work together. Oh, I, I, you know? I, I, I see. I don't think it'll ever come. This is my opinion. I think people are too anesthetized. They're too busy shopping, trying to fill the hole. It's, what is gray water? Gray, what gray water is, is uh, like when you wash your dishes. Yeah. Uh, gray water is that kind of the soapy water with the food residue used and water, stuff like that. Yeah. It's used water. And what you can do is you filter it and then it goes into your toilets instead of the water that's in your toilets is fresh water that it's you can drink. Water. Same and, thing comes out of your tap. And it's the reason why we are drinking. <laughs> it's not like at the plant they go, oh, this is the regular water and this is the pee water. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the reason why we, it's going to be, it's not going to be oil wars in the future is going to be water wars because we are running out very very quickly and in, and I wish we had the water commissioner from Vegas who they recycled 99% of their water and so I wish she would they would hire her here in LA because she enacted so many laws and now LA needs to do it because we are just hogs as far as water goes. And gray water should be cheap. It should be cheap to be able to hook it up. But now it's like all these regulations because nobody knows enough stuff. But it should be able to be like a hundred bucks, which you can do it for a hundred bucks. But because of all these, like you have to get a permit, special permit, and all this other crap, it's like a couple thousand dollars. So it's just kind of bullshit. Well, no, right I want to do it. I know. I totally want to do it. And uh, in Kuwait, they don't have any water. There's uh, if you drill for water, you'll hit oil first. Mm-hmm. Right. Kuwait's the size of New Jersey. And this so money comes out of the ground. In money Kuwait. money does come out of the ground. And what they have is they have uh like a dozen or however many desalination plants. Yeah, they have that in Israel too. Oh yeah? Yeah. And I don't know what they're doing with the salt. Are they uh, making the ocean saltier? What's happening? No. You can buy separate. sea salt. They s- yeah. they yeah. separate out the salt, it's a chemical process and, and then they put it back in the ocean or it's I don't know. That's a good question. Hopefully, they're recycling them because sea salt is actually just the they, salt from seawater. So maybe they they're... make pork rinds. They, yeah, they just make pork rinds and Doritos. Hopefully, they're using that for making rock salt for Wisconsin winters. I don't know. You know, right? And so hopefully, they're not dumping it on some land. And then UCLA has environmental hazard waste dump yeah, every Saturday can, morning. You can and dump I, electronic waste and, and stuff. paint and oil everything. I mean, I moved and I. It's awesome. I had phones i for some reason i had kept since 1997 and i dumped about 10 phones out to ucla like i had an analog phone that was like the first at&t analog cell phone it wasn't like that big huge thing like like, like, like drug dealer phones from scarface overboard yeah 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 exactly i love overboard oh my god jesus roddy mcdowell no it wasn't roddy mcdowell it was what's his name from gilmore girls who played the dad of gilmore girls that act that character actor who who played uh her dad no Um, I'll put it in the notes. <laughs> oh, I think, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, put that in the notes. I'd have to watch it. 
it's been an hour. Oh, it's been an hour, you guys. Holy shit. Uh, what I like is that we crap went by uh, fast. It went too fast, quite honestly, because we didn't talk about any sort of movies. And you have no. marching band coming out of your ears, Wendy Wilkins. <laughs> but I like I like that we did get some environmental dorkdoms. You know what we had? We had kind of a nice dorky talk about real things. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like we were just we let ourselves be real. A lot of yeah. free therapy. A lot it's, of free therapy. Oh, sweet. The microphone helps. Yeah, uh, a third microphone will be very helpful. I'm going to dash off to Radio Shack right now. All right. You guys, thank you so much. Thanks, uh, And listen to Mike Rickberg sing the Mexican hat dance. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. (laughs) My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?